Greetings once again, movie fans. I'm Eugene Weaver, your host at Cinema's Soft Underbelly. This is your place to find all things horror-related. And today, I have an, uh, an episode that uh, I've, been, I've been holding off doing because I love this genre so much. And I've, I've hit on some already, but uh, there are some in here that I've been really looking forward to talking about. And hopefully shedding light on some of these and maybe there's one or two in here that you've never seen and it might turn you on to a cool new movie and they are they are uh, once again sci-fi horror movies um i've already covered sci-fi horror uh, to a certain extent on some of my other uh shows but uh today i'm going to focus on um i hesitate to say comedy because there I, there's two in here that i can't help not talking about they don't quite fit in with uh with the other ones, but they're so good that they fit into this category because they're science fiction, uh, even though they're not comedy at all. But there is some really cool comedy sci-fi horror movies here that I'm going to be uh, touching on. So um, I'll be surprised if any of you listeners out there haven't seen at least one of these because some of them are relatively popular. And I'm going to start off with my uh, my favorite one of the bunch. And uh, the reason that I that I, I thought about this particular topic is because I just got done watching uh, Peter Jackson's Desolation of Smog, the extended version on Blu-ray, and so I wanted to uh, I want to go back through his filmography because I think Peter Jackson is brilliant. He's only made one true dud, in my opinion, which is The Lovely Bones. Other than that, he has got a spotless record, at least from the movies that I've seen. And I've seen pretty much all of it. I think there was one TV movie that he made that I I, I have not seen. Uh, but otherwise, I've watched all of his movies. And honestly, one of my favorite ones from him is still his original, his first movie. I've been watching this thing ever since high school when I had it on VHS. Uh, it it I still have a beautiful, beautiful limited edition DVD of this. And it's never been released on Blu-ray, although I... I believe it was shot on uh, Super 8. Could be wrong. I, I, I know that the film stock used for this thing was not of high quality. Uh, so I'm not sure how m- much better this movie will ever look than the DVD that I've got. But uh, Bad Taste is the movie from 1987. This is, to me, one of the original splatter movies of my youth. Um, by this time, I had watched Evil Dead, and there were some other movies that I had seen uh, but this one here, I had never, re- I had never seen anything like this, like that that incorporated comedy that wasn't scary, but it was so gross and so bizarre. Little did I realize that um, that Peter Jackson would go on to be one of the biggest directors in the world, and uh, it's 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 so cool. This movie, um, there's a little bit of behind this behind the scenes features. Uh, on this DVD, and it's so cool to see what went into this. That Peter Jackson was was making clay molds in his mom and dad's oven, and they were only able to shoot this movie on the weekends. And Peter Jackson, he uh, he produced and directed it, and uh, he actually has several different roles in the movie. And it is such a cool movie. Um, but 
movie was shot over a four-year period with friends playing in their lead role. And um, most of the movie was funded by himself. Um, and in the end, the New Zealand Film Commission, they gave him money to finish the project after being impressed with what, what he'd already produced, which um, which it's I'll tell you what, it's for such a low-budget movie. This thing is so crazy and so inventive and out there and funny. Um, it's, it's proof that you don't have to have a whole lot of money in order to succeed and make a fantastic movie, especially with tons of effects. Uh, I hate when I watch when I, I hate when I watch horror movies and you can tell they have some sort of a budget, but they skimp on it because uh, they want to save money and they don't want to do special effects. It's like, why not? That's that's the reason us horror fans watch movies. I watch these movies a lot of times is for good special effects if they apply to the movie. And this is no exception. This thing is crazy gory. I mean, it is it is really really gory. Um, so, uh, just a couple things of note here with the movie. I'm gonna read the back cover here. Uh, when an army of evil aliens invades Earth with the intention of selling mankind as intergalactic hamburger meat. The New Zealand government calls in an elite team of psychotic assassins. But are these boys brutally, brutal enough to tackle the vilest villains in the universe? Get ready for the ultimate battle of flying guts, splattering brains, exploding sheep, and guzzling vomit. This is more than just one of the greatest and most disgusting horror comedies ever made. This is bad taste. You have never seen anything like Bad Taste. This legendary low-budget debut from producer, director, co-writer, star Peter Jackson is packed with all the outrageous action, senseless violence, and sick humor that has made it one of the most radical cult classics of all time. Restored and newly transferred from original vault materials, Bad Taste is now presented completely uncut, uncensored, and unrated in all its gory glory. Uh, So, there you go. Um, I love that the cover is a disgusting-looking alien-holding uh, an AK-47 and flipping you the bird. That's just brilliant. Um, I and it's and that's the type of humor that is in this movie. And this is another one that uh, you don't have to be into gross-out humor, and you don't have to be in horror movies or even science fiction movies to appreciate this movie because it's so inventive. If you're just a fan of something different and unique, um, it's by no means is it scary or anything, and it's it's hardly considered a horror movie, but it, it's just so gross. Uh, in a very comical sort of way, um, that that it it just you should it should be watched, uh, especially with a group of friends, because you can all sit around and laugh at it and uh, and all that stuff. So, um, just a couple notes here. I'm looking on IMDb, and there's a ton of of great information on this movie. Um, uh, Peter Jackson constructed his own counterweighted Steadicam device for this film that cost only fifteen dollars. That's what I love to hear. The uh, that in, you know, inventive use of getting shots. Uh, Sam Raimi did it for Evil Dead, and Peter Jackson now. And now, look, Peter Jackson is ma- Peter Jackson is making some of the biggest budgeted movies on earth with these Hobbit movies, and especially watching the behind the scenes stuff on the Hobbit. The things that go into those movies are just phenomenal, and it's so cool to see where Peter Jackson started. He started here making uh, alien heads in his mom's kitchen. Um, so I just think that's brilliant. That's, that's so cool. Um, anyway, um, just a couple other things here. Oh, and there's an awesome, awesome eighties rock song in here that, uh, that you just have to hear. It's so cool. Um, that you'll know what it is. Uh, 
my co-host on Movie Freaks and I, we've already discussed this a little bit, and uh, I believe that he played the song at one point. Um, so, but it's hilarious. Um, Doug Wren, who played the the uh, alien leader Lord Crumb, who is featured on the cover, and he's he's in this movie quite a bit. He actually died during post production because of uh, the non audio filming. His voice was dubbed by a different actor. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so. Uh, a couple of notes here. Craig Smith was part of the original cast and was married and then divorced within the four-year time it frame it took to make the film because most of the filming took place on weekends. He found himself written out because his new wife, a devout Christian, objected to him working on Sundays. Smith was written back into the film when he got divorced. So there, there you go. Um, come on, give me a break. <laughs> um, oh, let's see here. It's been banned, which is funny because it's... Uh, it's such an odd, um, it's it's such an odd movie to ban because yeah I get it it's so gross but it's it's not I don't know something about it it's 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 all played for laughs. Um, filming started life as a ten minute short called Roast of the Day which started shooting in 1981. The story concerned Giles, an aid worker who comes to the small coastal town of. Kahoro, uh, on collection day, the young man encounters a psychopath named Robert who then pursues him. Giles escapes the madman and reaches an old heritage estate where he tries to contact the authorities. However, the same clan of cannibalistic psychos that Robert is from occupies the house and captures Giles. In an ironic twist, the aid worker is later cooked up to relieve the famine of the cannibals. Along the way, Peter Jackson added the special forces team that would be sent to rescue Giles, but in this early version, the boys would turn out to be cannibals as well. They staged the whole thing because they like to play with their food. When it came time for Jackson to finally edit the film together, he found that he had nearly 50 minutes worth of of usable footage, so with the length uh, and being inspired by the 60mm efforts of Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, Jackson continued shooting to make the movie a feature-length movie. And hence, there you go. It's... uh, turned into bad taste. So, um, anyway, um, another thing, one of the highlights of this movie here is there's a vomit scene with the aliens vomiting into this big bowl and it's this gross green vomit and then they all drink it. It's like regurgitated whatever and that's some of their food. Um, uh, some some notes here. The shot of Robert vomiting into the bowl, it's not Peter Jackson because he was one of the aliens in this movie, uh, but a hand puppet of Robert. Peter cast his face in plaster and it was made into a hand puppet. Uh, there was a funnel in the back of the puppet's head where the vomit was poured into. And the vomit in the bowl was actually yogurt and muesli with green food coloring. And it looked great. It was so, so gross. Uh, it's not the type of vomit that you normally would, not that you see lots of vomit in movies, but it's the kind that you don't see. It was just very, very, very different. So, um, Anyway, I uh, I would love love if Peter Jackson would would do a um, either a, a, a more of a more talking about this movie because this is what I mean. I remember going into bookstores and looking at the Fangoria magazines that had articles on this back in 1987, and now it's just all these years later to see where Jackson is. I I really wish that he would revisit this movie and talk more about it. Um, I mean, uh, he, it, it, it was almost like it got his start, obviously, and I know more about, like, um, The Frighteners, because The Frighteners is what got him the Lord of the Rings gig, you know, and then he did his art house movie that got him um, more notice. 
but I, I wish that I could I could hear more info on bad taste and what it took to I mean that's four years of someone's life making a movie and I would love to hear more about how it, how he did it because it really is a cool movie. Um, I, I seriously watch the movie. It's really 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 good and it's funny and if you like. Peter Jackson's quirkiness. Uh, there are definitely, there are even the Lord of the Rings movies have a similar feel, uh, and this is filmed in in New Zealand, so you got the great backdrops. But um, something about Peter Jackson, man, the guy is a fantastic director as long as he stays with what he's really good at. So uh, by that I mean don't do uh, Lovely Bones Part Two or whatever. Um, yeah. So anyway, moving on, I could spend the entire episode gushing about my love of that movie. Uh, I'm going to touch next on Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And um, another comedy. Uh, This one here um, from 1988, so a year after Bad Taste came out. This is from the Chiota Brothers. And the Chiota Brothers have uh, done... uh, They're actually special effects guys. And it's cool the stuff that they've done. Um, they did the stop motion effects for Elf when uh, when they're in the North Pole, and they did some uh, Team America, World Police, uh, that crazy thing. Um, and they're they're still doing stuff too. Uh, I'm just looking through here. Um, alien abduction. I'm not sure what that is. Um, Critters two. Uh, and I know that I've seen their names on other stuff as well. So, um, anyway, I actually see here that the return of the killer clowns from outer space in 3d has, has been announced and supposedly it's going to be made and released in 2016. Please let that be true. Please. This movie is so cool and so eighties and, um, it's just great. I'm reading the back of the Blu-ray here. Um, finally, the truth about clowns is out. Beneath their smirky, sinister grins and wildly patterned clothes are clever killers from out of this world. Uh, uh, killer entertainment that will leave you fearing those big top creatures for a for good. A spaceship looking like a circus tent lands in a field near a small town, signaling the attack of deviant, red-nosed, balloon-twisting psychos from another world who plan to annihilate mankind by turning people into cotton candy. Luckily, the town's teen citizenry decides to fight back and teach the cosmic bozos a lesson. But these clowns are no klutzes, turning popcorn, peanuts, and caramel corn into playful but deadly weapons of madcap destruction and mayhem. And this is PG-13, and it is a PG-13 movie that works beautifully for what it is. Uh, I don't mind at all that it's PG-13. Um, I It works exactly like it should within its within its uh, ratings uh, and all that stuff. Um, the $2 million budget was primarily for production costs, and the, uh, the clowns and visual effects were created almost entirely by the filmmakers at very little cost, and the clowns look fantastic. Um, clowns are generally scary, just to begin with, and in here, they're, they're, you can tell they're very much like an alien race, and they're so well done, especially for the 80s. Uh, they look like they look like alien clowns, and I I think it's great. And everything is like overdone. It's like there's you can tell they're not human at all. They're they're way 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 disproportioned. So the huge heads or huge feet. Um, one some of the ways that they they go about 
killing the citizens of the small town are ingenious. You just have to see it to believe it. Uh, we're talking about like hand puppet stuff uh, and and a boxing match that goes really, really bad. And uh, I think that's so, so, so cool. Um, the uh, the song on this on the movie, by the way, the first time I saw this was on VHS. In the end, there was a music video from the Dickies called Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And that song is so immensely catchy, you won't get it out of your head. Um, in fact, I saw the Dickies years ago at the Cleveland Agora, and the lead singer, he was notorious for putting a sock on his hand, and that's how he would sing. Like, he would be singing into his mic with uh, a sock on his hand, and the hand would be a hand puppet. And I remember him singing Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and I'm like, oh, this is... This is, I'm geeking out here. I'm watching a punk rock, obscure punk rock band singing the theme song to one of the coolest 80s science fiction movies. How awesome is that? Uh, So, uh, anyway, um, I'm just looking here for some of the the other, uh, uh, though not a hit when it hit the theaters, the film has since become a cult classic and has made a lot of money on action figures, DVDs, t-shirts, all that stuff. And I can, I can... Add me to that list. I have the DVD. I've got the Blu-ray. I've seen this movie many, many times. Back when I worked at a video store, running out VHS, that thing was uh, a popular title there. So I saw it going off the shelf quite a bit. And in fact, it was one that I would recommend uh, when people were like, I want something cool and different and unique. And uh, that's usually, that was one that I would I would have in my rotation of movies that I would recommend. So um, anyway, I highly recommend you check this one out. It's, uh, again, kind of like bad taste. You don't have to be a horror fan to enjoy it. In fact, my wife enjoys this movie, and she gets a kick out of it because it's, it's funny, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of bad, but it's self-knowing bad, which is what makes it so good and so 80s, and I love, I love the 80s. And this movie uh, works, it works beautifully as, a, as an 80s, sci-fi comedy horror thing, I guess. Kind of horror. So, do yourself a favor. Pick it up. Check it out. It's a great movie. I really, 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 really hope that they do make a sequel to this. It is ripe for a sequel. The o- my only thing would be uh, that it would lose some of its charm because I am sure that it's going to be CGI'd to death, and I hate that. Uh you don't. This is proof. Both of the movies that I've just discussed are proof. You don't need CGI to make a good uh, science fiction movie. You can you can still pull it off with practical effects. I love practical practical effects. Even if it starts to look hokey and fake, I will take hokey and fake practical effects over hokey and fake CGI effects any day of the week. Um, I will say this about uh, and about three D. I used to be a big a big fan of 3D, and I still really like 3D if it's used properly, especially in a movie like Gravity. It was used great in Gravity. Prometheus is another one. Um, I think that Killer Clowns would be a good one for 3D. Uh, another really good 3D movie was the Harold and Kumar Christmas movie, uh, and it was extremely gimmicky, but it worked really, really good. The comedic scenes uh, in 3D were, I mean, it was all done obviously for laughs, but there was a lot of stuff flying at the, at the screen and I got it and I liked that. It it worked really well. And I have a feeling that killer clowns could really benefit from that as well. The things coming at you flying off the screen and all that stuff. So I, I, I get it and I could see that being, being a win. Although I've really cooled the jets on 3d as of late. So 
Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's an awesome movie. Watch it. Next up is, uh, we're just going to keep right on rolling with the uh, with aliens that are, are bad. Next up is Evil Aliens. And uh, this one here is a film by Jake West. And I'm going to just pull up uh, the movie on IMDb uh, because I... I believe that he's gone on to do, um, unfortunately, I think that he's gone on to make fairly silly uh, sci-fi movies. I could be wrong here. Um, okay, he, w- he did a segment for ABCs of Death, and uh, he did Doghouse, which was okay. It had a great... Uh, a great hat first half and then it, it ran out of steam. There it is. I, I knew that there was one in there that he did that I was so disappointed with and it was a, G, a, a really cheap sci-fi original uh, and that would have been Pumpkinhead, Ashes to Ashes. And you wouldn't even know it's the same director that directed that versus uh, this super cool Evil Aliens. Uh, Evil Aliens is from 2005 and I'm uh, going to read the back of the cover here. Brace yourself for this jaw-dropping slice of sci-fi horror lunacy. Mutilations, inappropriate body probes, and pointy weapons ranging from sports gear to chainsaws fill this gore-drenched classic of giddy alien man. Looking for a hot new story, weird world TV reporter Michelle Fox leads her crew to a small Welsh farming town where residents are reporting alien abductions and impregnations. Unfortunately, the TV crew's dramatic recreation of the events turns downright nasty when the real interstellar visitors arrive and they're hungry for more than a close-up. Uh, the Blu-ray here has two versions on it, the unrated and then the R-rated, and I believe that the first time I watched this movie was the R-rated, and this definitely gets the the unrated. Uh, it's it's gross. Uh, it's uh, To me, I, I definitely got a, a bad taste feel from this. It was almost like Jake West was trying to make kind of his own uh, version of bad taste, kind of. Uh, is it is it as good as bad taste? No, but it's still uh, it's still really really fun. Um, I'm not sure what format this was filmed on. It seems like it was filmed on digital video, uh, but I sure dug the movie. It is really really gruesome, and it almost it it it's it's got some extremely funny parts in it, and then. It also it, then it starts to veer into trauma territory. In fact, I would say that this, uh, if there would be a trauma label on here, I would be like, wow, that's that's pretty high profile for trauma. But it would still be, yeah, I could see that being a trauma movie. So that should give you kind of a uh, a place to base this movie is is that it's in the realm of trauma. But if you like trauma type stuff, I do, of course, uh, then you'll definitely like this movie. Uh, it is. Like I said, it has its funny parts. It's almost like it's trying a little too hard, and I'm probably, you know, I'm making it sound like, you know, a movie that you don't want to watch, but I think that you should. If you like science fiction movies, if you like witty, kind of sick humor, uh, this movie fits the bill beautifully. I've watched it several times, and each time uh, I'm like, yep, that was cool. That was over the top. There's a, there's a big spaceship scene in the end that is extremely CGI'd, Although it works very well, it, it works very well for what it's trying to do, and so I can I can appreciate the fact that yeah, it's I'm not a huge fan of CGI and lower budget horror stuff, but it works really well in this, and it doesn't come across too sci-fi channel original anything like that. So 
Uh, anyway, but yeah, basically, people running around, uh, running around being chased by aliens and lots of gore, and there's a- anal probe stuff going on, and it's crazy and very, very, very gross. So there you go. And uh, I could spend a little bit more time on that, but I really want to hit, obviously, I'm not going to get to all the movies I was going to talk about. In fact, the two serious ones that I was going to talk about, I'm going to save that for another episode. Uh, I could probably spend an entire episode on both of those movies. I'm going to finish up my uh, comedy sci-fi horror with Night of the Creeps. And Night of the Creeps rules. If you haven't seen this movie, shame on you. You need to get on that as soon as possible because it really is a great movie. Uh, this is another one that found a, a new life on video. It was directed by Fred Decker, and Fred Decker also did, um, unfortunately, RoboCop 3, although, to his credit, I'm pretty certain that that was a studio job there that for hire. So, you know... Take that with a grain of salt. He also did Monster Squad, which is a very cool movie. Uh, upon rewatching, the first time I watched it, I'm like, eh. Uh, but knowing his style and just figuring that, okay, that's more of a kids movie, it works quite well, especially as an 80s, 80s horror kids movie. It's very, very good. Uh, Night of the Creeps, however, is a lot more. It's it's more violent, and it, it gets its R rating in spades, and I love it. The Blu-ray here that I have is actually now out of print, and uh, which is unfortunate because it has a slew of features on here about the making of this movie, uh, its status as a cult classic, about how people wanted to see this thing uh, back up on the big screen, and it's so good. Tom Atkins is in it, and if you're a, Tom, a fan of Tom Atkins, then that's all the reason that you need to watch this movie. Um, back of the movie. One of the most eagerly awaited genre films of the 80s finally arrives on Blu-ray. When an alien experiment goes awry, it crashes to Earth in 1959 and infects a young college student. 27 years later, his cryogenically frozen body is thawed out by fraternity pledges, and the campus is quickly overrun by alien creatures whose victims come back as zombies. Fred Decker's enjoyable throwback chiller deftly mixes all sorts of genres while simultaneously having fun with them. Um... The co- oh, this is interesting here. The college and all of the leading characters are named after famous horror movie directors, so see if you can figure out who they are. This jam-packed release contains the ending director Decker always intended. As an added bonus, the original theatrical ending is also included. So uh, if you've recently watched uh, James Gunn's Slither, you'll know where he got some of, in my opinion, where he got some of his inspiration from is Night of the Creeps, because we have the these alien slug type things that get into your body through your mouth and then you become a zombie and it's extremely funny and it's got really really good gooey special effects and uh good acting and it just has it's 86 so it has a very much an 80s feel to it and i love 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 that um uh just a couple notes here there's all sorts of of, of notes here. Tom Atkins, this was Tom Atkins' favorite movie that he did. Rightly so. Although I would say I like Halloween 3 season of The Witch a little bit better, this is still this is still great stuff, and he is such a badass in this movie. Um, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger uh, play zombie extras in this, and that's KNB Effects, and they are one of the biggest effects companies on the planet, and so 
they helped out with this movie. And they, I could spend an entire episode episodes on the work, the body of work that those guys have done. It is staggering, and I, they are a true success story. And I was watching their special effects work back when I was a young high school student, and I still do. I'm still watching their their stuff that they do. So. Uh, anyway, Corman University is where this takes place, and as you can guess, that's a reference to director-producer Roger Corman. Of course, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space makes an appearance in this movie as the uh, the house mother is watching on TV, watching Plan 9 from Outer Space. Uh, um, the tool shed sequence was filmed after principal shooting of the movie had wrapped, and after a rough cut was shown to a test audience, several people thought that the picture needed more action, so this particular sequence was added to the movie, and I'm glad that they did that, because that is a great ending. I love that scene. It's gory, and it's uh, fun, and it works so well. Um, and honestly, I I think that... The theatrical ending is, it's not as good as the, the ending that director Fred Decker chose. It's still very good and it's still very watchable. But you'll love the spaceship scenes and the aliens on the spaceships. They're little gnome looking things and it's great. Um, uh, it's just a fun movie and you don't have to be a horror fan to, to appreciate this, to appreciate. Um, it's witty humor and good effects and it, it's just, it works. It works really well. And it was, it had a 5,000 or a $5 million budget and, uh, which is p- pretty good. I think that's a pretty nice size budget for an 80s science fiction and comedy. And so it, it's on the screen too. It, it, it's there. And I, so I dig it. It's a great movie. All four of these movies are, are big thumbs up from me. Uh, Evil Aliens might not be your uh, might not be your cup of tea. Although I really, really enjoyed it, and I think you should give it a chance. And that's what this show is all about: is bringing to light some of these movies that you may not have seen that you might be interested in seeing. So hopefully, at least one of these movies piques your interest, and you're like, I'm gonna go and hunt that down and watch it because all of them I think are very, very worthy additions to your movie library, to your watching list, and, of course, to Cinema's Soft Underbelly. So that's going to do it for me today. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. I hope that you uh, you watch these movies. I hope you watch at least something that I'm talking about uh, on any one of my episodes, because that's what I do this for, is to, uh, to turn you on to movies that you may not have thought about watching or may not have given a chance that you may give a chance to now. So uh, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions or if there's something you want me to watch or if there's something I should stay away from, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, obviously, Movie Freaks on currently on YouTube. That's my my sister show with Eric Marner and Cinema Sidekicks. They're on iTunes talking about uh, all sorts of movies. So check them out as well. That's going to do it for my show today. Again, I'm Eugene Weaver. Thanks for listening.